If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. You're about to miss out. It is time. It is time for you to start sharing the knowledge you already have and get paid for it. Amy Porterfield's signature program, Digital Course Academy, is open and welcoming in a fresh class of students for a short amount of time. And trust me when I say you're going to want to be one of them. This program taught me everything I know about creating, selling, launching, and automating online courses. Courses that have made me millions of dollars, but beyond that, courses that have given me the time, freedom, and impact that I crave. Enroll today and get started at jennacutcher.com forward slash DCA. Plus, when you join the Digital Course Academy with my link, I am also giving you an entire Jenna Kutcher bonus experience. I've literally thought through everything that you would want from me to help you implement and get success fast with Amy's system. It's like the queen of courses, Amy, and the queen of simplification, me, teamed up to ensure that you follow through, implement, and have every tool in your toolkit. I'm talking templates, private trainings, insights into my own launches, and so much more, all waiting for you free when you join DCA. Time is running out. Head to jennacutcher.com forward slash DCA to get your course and my special bonus offer before the doors close on September 28th. Again, that's jennacutcher.com forward slash DCA. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 190. Katie Storino is the queen of doing it all and in such a poised and professional way. You may know her as her signature, the size 12-ish New Yorker who believes great style can look chic at any size. Her platform, the 12-ish style, is to inspire girls like her who are stuck in size purgatory. Not quite plus size, not quite straight sized. Not only that, she is also the founder and CEO of Mega Bag Beauty, a woman's comfort line that launched in June of 2017. And if that wasn't enough, she is a mama and social media guru behind two Insta-famous pups, Cheese and Muppet. Safe to say she does it all and she does it so well. 
I wanted Katie to come on for those of us who are running one business, but have an idea for a second and a third, or maybe you don't even know where to start because you are so passionate about so many things. And I know that so many of us are multi-passionate boss babes. And so I wanted to hear firsthand from someone that is managing multiple businesses so flawlessly. Today, Katie is going to teach us how to divide our time among projects, how to delegate resources and balance our many passions. Speaking as a fellow multi-passionate girl boss, I think this episode is crazy valuable and I learned so much from making the most of all of my passion projects. I'm just so, so excited about today's show just because Katie kind of sells it to you straight. Like some of this stuff is just really stinking hard and you have to be willing to do the work. Now, before we dive on into Katie's interview, I want to share the review of the week from Jen One. It is titled Keeping Me in Check and says Jenna's podcast is exactly what I need every week to stay focused. I also grew up in Wisconsin and her transparency with life experiences is what made me fall in love with the podcast. Her positive mindset is contagious and her podcast content has taught me how to channel my inner gold digger. Thank you so much, Jen One, for leaving that review. You guys, I don't even know why I say it every week, but I've got to. If you haven't left a review, can I ask why? Like I know there are thousands and thousands of you guys tuning in. And if you want to help this movement, if you just want to help support little old me while I'm recording all these shows for you, if you want to make sure that the world gets to hear about the Gold Digger podcast, all you got to do is leave a rating and review on iTunes. It's really that simple. I'm not even joking. But without further ado, let's dive on in and hear from Katie Storino. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru Jenna Kutcher will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. All right, Katie. I was just telling you this, but you are legitimately the perfect woman for this interview. So welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited. Me and Katie got to meet in Miami at an area event. And I felt like we were just like soul sisters right away. Not only is she multi-passionate, but she is like a badass businesswoman. So before we dive into the Q&A and talk all about how to balance these multi-passions in your life... Tell us who is Katie? <laughs> How did you get to where you are today? And what does your days look like now that you're pursuing multiple endeavors? Yeah, well, currently my life is centered around Mega Babe, which is my line of women's personal comfort products. Personal comfort is such a weird thing. To <laughs> There's like no better name for the category yet because we're kind of creating it. I launched Mega Babe in 2017, last summer. So it's about a little over a year old. And I set out to tackle things like thigh chafe and boob sweat and pretty much topics that the beauty industry was ignoring and real problems that women have were going unaddressed because they didn't really have viable solutions. And everything on the market was for 
men or athletes and nothing was just for a girl who like is trying to wear a dress in the summer and not have like rashing thighs. <laughs> so this is my first endeavor into product making product. And that was a big change because I, I have been working for myself since I was 25 years old. Before that I worked for Bobby Brown cosmetics and I worked for Dolce and Gabbana and Chanel in their PR departments. And then I started my own PR because I loved the work. I just didn't like the environments I was in. So I went out on my own, which was like, I felt super young at the time. And I don't know that I would advise anyone now to, to do that, but then it worked. And then <laughs> I, in 2014, is that right? Yes. Wow. My dog toast became kind of an internet thing. She is a toothless dog. She had a rescue King Charles Spaniel and her tongue was sticking out all the time. She was very cute. And I was like, this lady needs to be known more than just like in my house. So I made an Instagram account for her and I kind of took her on like a PR client and ended up pitching her out to different media outlets and trying to get her into stories. And everyone in my life was like, what are you doing? I think you've lost it. And I... I was like, no, I, I think this can be a thing. Like, I think that she can have a platform on Instagram, this like growing, this growing social media network. And I think she can help change lives and ideas about rescue. So like Toast ended up getting married on Real Housewives of New York. She's the world's only dog supermodel. She was a model <laughs> for Karen Walker Eyewear. She did the entire campaign on her own. She's on billboards all across the country, still promoting rescue. And we ended up educating people about puppy mills. And for those of you who don't know, puppy mills are like factory farms for dogs. And it's the, the reason that you don't buy dogs online or in pet stores. 100% of the time, they come from puppy mills. And the parents there are treated very poorly. So that's actually why Toast Tongue hung out, because her teeth fell out by the time she was five. Anyway, so I ended up having three rescue dogs, Pants, Muppet, and Toast, and we did, we wrote a book, Tampton, we did a ton of things. So that turned into a business. And so I was doing PR and toast and, and all the charity work we were doing with it associated with puppy mills, which was awesome. So the headline there, now we've got two businesses, the headline there is that these are both things that I enjoy doing on my day to day. I love helping people grow their business. I love talking to people. So that's PR. And then obviously I love dogs and I'm passionate about rescue. So those were my other passions. So neither of those ever really felt like work work for me right out the gate. Still with me? Okay. So <laughs> on a, on a photo <laughs> shoot for Toast for NARS Cosmetics, I ended up meeting the Man Repeller Girls, which is a great blog. And they were like, we should do a style profile on you. So they ended up doing how to dress for like, like a curvy body type style profile. And I ended up reading the comments in there that were like, wow, I've never seen my body type on a blog before. I've never, I didn't know that other girls <laughs> looked like me in fashion. And it clicked for me. I realized how I was feeling about my body for all those years working in fashion it was so bad. And I felt so alone and so isolated. So I, 
I realized that there was a market out there of women who just wanted to learn how to kind of how to get dressed in the fluctuating weight space of a 10 to 18. And essentially, I started the 12-ish style as a place to help you learn how to shop. And it ended up kind of pivoting into a body positivity blog because once I realized that I had been chasing skinny for so long and that that was just never going to be my body, it's like I released all of that and I became totally comfortable, which was amazing. And that's kind of my message with and my, my mission with 12-ish style is to help women find that confidence and accept themselves as they are or make changes, whatever is going to make you happy, but just knowing that your happiness is not going to come from your dress size. So through that, through 12-ish style, I ended up retiring from PR and um, doing the dogs in 12-ish. And then after my seventh summer of applying a men's product to my thighs that is associated just straight up with men's balls. <laughs> I said, why am I taking this disgusting package out of my beautiful <laughs> Chanel handbag? Why am I doing this? Why is there nothing out there that's better? So I looked in the market and I realized there really was nothing out there that was not like D's nuts for her. And I... <laughs> That's a real brand, by the way. <laughs> I ended up uh, looking into making product, which was totally new for me. And now we're back at Mega Babe. And so my three kind of consistent jobs and the time that I put into each kind of varies. But I say job because that's how I make money. But really, and you know this, if you're doing something you love, none of it ever feels like work because I'm just talking to women about how to feel good about themselves I'm selling a product that I make that I use every single day, all day long that I love and I'm helping dogs. So it's like, those are three things that are kind of just naturally me and natural extensions of myself. I love that. And for the record, everyone, Mega Babe is amazing. Katie sends it to me every time I go to Hawaii. And so many of you guys ask about thigh chafes. So if you're listening to this episode and you're like, oh man, I didn't even know there was a product. We were just talking about it. And the best part is too, is that it's non-toxic. And so you don't want to be putting things in places that don't belong there. So uh, I love it. And I love the packaging. And I have it in our little swim bag every single day because we live in swimsuits and my thighs would not survive without it. So just wanted to note that it has my personal backing. <laughs> I love it. So Katie, you obviously you have so many projects and I feel like you and I can relate where it's like no two days are the same because we're always working on something. So can you kind of share a little bit about, you know, mixing your creative side, those passions and then figuring out like, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to make a living and kind of balancing those two things? Because I found that a lot of people are super passionate about things, but they don't believe that they could ever make a profit from that. Right. You have to have an eye for knowing how to monetize things, right? That's like just something you have to do. And if you don't have it, then you have to bring on a partner who has a, a money brain. Like I, it's just what I say. It's a, it, my sister has the money brain. So I am constantly talking to her when I was running PR, my PR business, call her all the time, asking about charging people 
because if it were me, I'd end up doing everything for free and <laughs> not charging anyone because I don't, I'm a pushover in that space. And I know that about myself. So I surround myself with people who I can call and ask the proper way to ask for money, essentially, because I know that I'm bad at it. So one thing to do is make sure that you have someone in your corner who can say, no, this is how much you charge. And this is, this is what the market is telling you that you should charge for, right? Absolutely. I know Drew and I often do this because he's super passionate. And I think I've just like learned to value my time so much. And so as he gets requests for things and stuff, he's like, so cool. They want to pay me a hundred dollars. And I'm like, charge him 500. <laughs> and like, I'm just like very, you know, I feel like after you do this for a while, you're like, I am worthy of getting paid to do what I love. But yes. I think when you're first starting out, it's like, this is so fun. Like, I don't even care. I'll do this if nobody pays me. Yeah. But you you dental floss, I'm <laughs> in. Whatever it is. Yeah, I'm with you. Oh, it's so funny. And what I love too is your mission with your blog and just following you. And can you share just so everyone that's listening kind of understands, I think one of the coolest things you do is that you take outfits that have been worn by celebrities or featured in the press, and then you show women that have curvier figures, how they can duplicate that look. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think it is so cool. Yeah, even though I'm a quote unquote fashion blogger, I find it stressful to get dressed because I sometimes I'm just not inspired to think of an outfit and copying looks is something that I or getting inspired by someone else's style is something that I do in my personal life. And celebrities have stylists on retainer, they have designers giving them clothes and love clothes. So when they're wearing something in public, someone else thought about it for the most part. And so they thought about it. They ran it through a trend cycle. They're, they're really like coming up with a look. And so I like to take inspiration from that for sure in my day-to-day life. Now, what I think is funny is that many women, they'll be like, oh, I love like Selena Gomez, but I could never pull off her style. And I'm always confused about that. Like why, why someone would say, I can't do that. I can't wear that. That's not for me. So all I'm trying to do is take these really well thought out outfits and translate them into a larger size so that you can see that you you can actually wear the white mini skirt or the crop top or whatever it is that you have told yourself you can't wear, you can pull off. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's just super awesome to see because obviously you and I are similar in size and body stature. And so it's really fun to see how you do that and and how you do it with things mostly that you already own, which I think is super. Well, actually, I I call most of the things I pull in are I pull them in from brands so that people can them. I love and I, I also uh, it's fun for me, too, because I don't know how the look's going to turn out until we finish it. And then it's all to see. <laughs> That is so awesome. So we haven't talked a ton on the show about starting a product-based business. And there are so many things involved when it comes to product-based businesses from creating the actual product and figuring out, especially for you, like the ingredients and the mix for it, and then also the fulfillment side of things. So can you kind of walk us through from conception of Mega Babe to actually shipping out your first few orders? Like what did that look like? very scary. 
So the thing about product, especially in the beauty category, is it's different from making something like a shoe or jewelry where it's just a one, it's out there. And one thing you have to learn when you're making beauty products is that there's like a whole legal side of things that you don't know about. And dealing with vendors and dealing with people who are making those products for you is just another full-time job. And so both of those, it's way beyond like, I want to make this product. There are so many details behind it and going into the factory, going into the lab and making sure that they're the color, the Pantones match the thing. Like there's so many little details. So I obviously could not do this a hundred percent by myself at all. So when I knew I wanted to do it, I tapped my sister and her business brain and my best friend out in San Francisco and she has like a great eye for branding and for product. And so we work together on this and my parents still ship everything out of their house. Oh my gosh. I don't think I knew yes. that. Yes. So everyone is like, wow, like, my, <laughs> like everyone looks at me like we're, we have this like big business, but even though we are sold in Alta and, and we're sold in J crew and we're doing QVC and we're doing all these big things, it's still, you know, it's still like we are bootstrapping it and we are like really every single thing has our eyes on it and we're small. So, and it's, it's really time consuming. And if you don't stay on like the factory, if you don't stay on some of the details, everything falls apart and it's extremely time consuming. And the only reason, I don't know, I mean, you didn't ask me this, but I'm just going to say that the only reason... I made this product is because it's not out there. If I was, I don't know that it would be worth it in any way, shape or form. If I was trying to make a lipstick or a mascara or a shampoo, like there's nothing out there in the beauty space that I can think of that isn't out there in like 400 iterations already, because this is hard work products. So if you're not bringing something to the table that is truly unique I would not be in this business. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of like Shark Tank when they're pitching things and they're like, you could only own like 1% of this market, but there isn't a market. Did that freak you out at all in the sense of like, why has no one else done this? Because I think it's such a beautiful thing to be like, I am first to market with this product, but there would be a part of me in the business side of things to be like, have people tried this and failed? Or like, why has nobody done this? Did you experience that at all? Yeah, I'm glad that I didn't have those thoughts because I probably didn't, <laughs> I wouldn't have started either. I was just like, I want it to be better. And I want, this is what I want. So no, but I what the, the challenge with being first to market and creating something in a white space, which is like something that's unexplored or isn't overly saturated. And it's weird to hear those things from like big giant brand, big giant retailers who are like, you've created a new category here. We don't know where to put you. We don't know where to put you on the shelves. We don't know how to talk about you. That's really hard because it's something that's so easy for me to talk about is so confusing for stores like it's like they don't know how to catch up yet and I really do you remember Friendster yeah okay so I like I, that's what I always say in my head I'm like I really hope we're not I hope Facebook not Friendster and so I hope that we're even though we're first to market I hope that we're the leader and the like category standard more like a Spanx and 
and that we can pave the way and not have other people just learn from our mistakes. Yeah. I mean, it is so interesting too, because it's not like a new concept, but also if you just saw it on the shelves, like your marketing messaging has to be so on point for stores to sell it because you could sell it all day. But when you think about mass producing something or having it just be displayed, like people could definitely just walk past it without even realizing it's a solution to a problem that they have. Have you guys kind of explored, like, how do we share this with the world? Like, how do we get that message out well, there? Well, because we're small and because we're self-funded, we have been using mostly like organic gifting to friends on Instagram and posting about it on my feed to my, my followers and press. So Basically, that's how people are hearing about us at the moment. Hopefully, as we grow, we'll be able to get people's attention in different ways. But it's a totally confusing thing. I have people ask me, like, the shape of the thigh shapes. We make a deodorant, too. And, like, people ask me, because the shape of the thigh stick is in kind of a deodorant-shaped container, they're like, can I use this as deodorant? Can I use a Busta? Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of apprehension and confusion around like because they're new products about what to do with them or what you can and can't do with them. So there's totally a level of customer education that we're doing every day. And I'm in my DMS for probably two hours a day answering questions. We have you know, Kate out in, in San Francisco is doing customer service. She's on there all day, every day. We are constantly dealing with our customers and educating them. But once they know and they get it, they become advocates for Mega Babe. And I tell you, every time someone posts something about Thigh Chafe on the internet and there's a comment section I go through and right away I see my girls out there just get Mega Babe, get Mega Babe. So that makes me so happy because I know that they love the product so much that they feel like they need to share it. I love that. I know I share it. What it was the most frustrating part about a product-based business? Like what was the thing that you were just grinding your teeth on? Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I have to do this. I would say the fact that you can't control your factories and you can't control their timelines. And essentially we have over 10,000 people waiting for deodorant right now. And that is because we can't control anything about the production and the timeline for that. So that is as a business owner, looking at a, like 10,000 people who want your product is incredible. But all you're doing every day is just thinking about how you're disappointing 10,000 people. So that is really frustrating. Just the lack of control you have in production and ladies, if you're out there and you want to look into like lab science and fulfillment and can that whole, what I'm trying to say is, ladies, if you're thinking about getting into products, consider the other side, the science side and the manufacturing side, because it is full of men and it's very archaic and it really needs an update and some women in there. So consider it, please, so that I can work with you. <laughs> I love that. So let's kind of talk about 
being multi-passionate and what does a typical day or week look like for you juggling these three very different businesses? Like, how do you do it? How do you know where to devote your time? Are there different seasons for different businesses? Kind of fill us in on all of that. It's like every day is for a different business. So some days I have a shoot for the dogs. And so I'm doing that for most of the day, or sometimes I'm shooting for 12-ish, or sometimes I have like a mega babe appearance or a meeting. So it's the day, it's really by the day. It's not seasonal for me. And that is cool because every day is different, but it's stressful because I know know you're a very big planner and I'm Mm -hmm. very impressed by your planning. I... (laughs) I'm not a planner and maybe I should be, but I, I kind of allow the schedule to dictate my life in a way that it's like, Oh, this person wants to meet cool. Like I keep everything open so that the week builds up as it's meant to, but I could probably work on that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. We're recording an episode about batch working soon and how we like separate our tasks. So maybe you can tune into that one. I will tune into that. (laughs) I mean, it is so hard because I feel like, especially when you have multiple projects going on, some days it's just like you're putting out fires and not actually making progress. And so you know, what has it been like in the sense of like, have you always stayed passionate about these projects you've started? Have you had seasons of burnout? Like, what does that look like for you? I would say I've gone, there's definitely been moments of burnout. I would say the in these three businesses, I've been doing the dogs the most and Toast unfortunately passed away in December. And I'll be honest, since, since she has, since she's left, it's, it's been hard to like get refired up about the dogs, even though I've got the, I've got the account. I've got, I have cheese and Muppet and actually my dog pants died last week. So that was really hard. It's been a tough dog year, but I know I have this giant account of almost 400,000 followers that I can engage for rescue message. So I just keep remembering that and keep going back to it. And so when I'm feeling like, oh, I don't really feel creative about them right now, I'll post something about adoption or rescue. And that keeps me motivated to keep keep going back. Mm-hmm. I know it, it was so funny when we met in Miami and you're like, do you follow my dogs? And I was like, wait, your dogs? Like I follow Katie. What is this? And it's just insane because you're managing multiple brands and you're having to prioritize, you know, what's going to make the most sense, what's going to move the needle the most. And so one of the biggest questions I think I get is that people are really passionate about all of these different things. What kind of advice would you give them on knowing where to start or what makes the most sense? Should they start with multiple businesses or get really good at one thing first? What worked for you? Well, so I, as many, like you said, entrepreneurs like this with with multiple passions have a lot of ideas. And so throughout the years, I've had, I wanted to start an ice cream store. I wanted to start an ice cream business. I've had a lot of ice cream specific ideas, of course. I love <laughs> ice cream. I've wanted to do a bunch of different things. And what happens usually when I get like super excited and super into something for a day, a week, and I just start obsessing over it, 
I have to force myself to play it out what my day to day looks like for that. And I end up dropping those ideas because I think about what my life would be and I don't want it. So that's one way. The other thing is, even though you might be really passionate about something, you have to make sure that you're coming in with a point of view that is going to allow people to get something different from you. Because I don't think there's anything harder than getting people's attention and getting people's attention while you're fighting against the big boys with the same message is really, really hard. So that's, it's like people ask me about, they're like, how can I make my dog famous? And I'm like, it's, <laughs> it's 2018. We've had the dog moment and it's really hard. Like it's hard work. So to be able to break through in some spaces that are just super saturated is not something that I would recommend trying unless you're heavily, heavily funded by something, someone. I know. I think too, something I've learned, I'm sure you can relate to, like you can be passionate about ice cream and not have to create a business around it. And I feel like so many, like my brain automatically, whenever I have an idea, I'm like, how can I make money doing this? If I'm going to do it, how can I make money? And it's almost like a reminder, like it's okay to just have passions to be a passionate person. Like sometimes when we turn our passions into our jobs, you kind of lose like the luster of it. And I know that happened to me with photography. And just like, oh, no, now it's work. Like now I have to do this and show up even on the days where I don't feel creative. So I think it's just it's so hard because it's like we love so many things like we're excited about so many things. And I would way rather live a multi-passionate life. But when you're looking at like, I got to pay the bills, I got to buy groceries. It's like, man, this is really hard. (laughs) You know what? And there's a misconception around being a blogger because I don't don't think I ever really set out to be a blogger or to know really what that means. But I have to like I have to photograph things that are shoppable and current. Otherwise, if I just posted pictures of stuff that I own all the time, like people would be frustrated because it's, it's like, well, where can I buy that sweater? I can't buy that sweater. So I'm constantly calling things in from brands. I have to do photo shoots. I have to like look and see what's out there. And I don't think shopping for me is one of the things that I actually lost a love for. I never loved browsing, but I loved like getting new clothes. And, and I know that this sounds crazy, but acquiring new clothes is something that like, is not something I really enjoy anymore. I don't have like the same love for clothes that I used to have because it's, it's the part of the job that is really stressful is the in and the out of like the intake of product and the, like, and having to return it or having to like get rid of it now that you've been gifted something that you don't really want to wear. And then it's like, where are you going to donate it? Like, you know, you have to get it to the place. Like there's things about like the physical product of blogging that are stressful. Also the environmental impact. It's, I don't know if you feel this way. I'm sure you get sent a ton of stuff, like get like that. You get these crazy boxes and you're just like, Oh, one, I don't want anything in here. And two, now I have to, deal with it. And three, it's such a waste. So you can give it away and donate it all you want. But like at the end of the day, it's still like a thing to deal with. And I don't oh, yeah. like a whiny. 
No, no, no. I shared about that on the podcast. It was in one of the episodes where it was like 10 things I'm afraid to tell you. And I was afraid to tell people that like, I hate getting packages in the mail because so often it's like people being generous or people really wanting us to enjoy their products. But we get so much stuff and I am just a minimalist at heart. And it makes me anxious because it's like, if this doesn't fit, I can't send it back. It was free. And now I'm worried that if I give it away, you're going to come back and say, Hey, where's that photo with blah, blah, blah. So we actually don't give out our address anymore because it was really overwhelming to me. And every day Drew would be like, what are you getting in the mail? I mean, it was like pack. We were gone for four days and we came home and we had eight packages. Like and it's just, it's overwhelming. And it's such a crazy problem. Like we're like, oh my God, first world problems, but it is a problem. And, and it's like, especially with baby coming on the way, like we want simple, we don't want a bunch of stuff. And so it's been so hard because people's intentions are so pure and so wonderful, but it's like, I'm so sorry, but we don't have a PO box set up yet, which we don't. And so we're not comfortable giving out our address. Yeah, that I think that that's I think that's valid and I think it's it's just one of the things when you when you look at like relative to jobs in the world. No, I'm not sitting at a computer all day in fluorescent lighting looking at a spreadsheet, but nothing no job is without downsides and and weird stresses and and the fact that like when you leave your house you have to feel like you have to look a certain way because you're going to run into people and it's just like it's a different type of stress and one that I'm inviting into my life so I understand that but it's not for everyone. Absolutely. So here's my big question. Like what was the biggest lesson you learned from going from one business to two businesses to three businesses? Like what was something that your world was kind of rocked by that you didn't expect? I think at the pinnacle of my business addition. So I was doing PR, the dogs, 12-ish, and starting Mega Babe. I was going through a divorce. So I think I filled the hole and I turned all the anxious energy I had and the, the worry and all the time I had, I turned that into productivity and... I didn't want to like sit around and do nothing. I felt really good when I was working. So I just kept working. And that is just something that got me through my divorce. And Mega Babe is a product of it. Like that is 100% taken from being up at 5am and not being able to fall asleep and just having this new life to adjust to. I absolutely turned to work and it gave me happiness and satisfaction and a place to put my energy. And I love what has come out of it. Mm-hmm. I agree a hundred percent. When we went through our miscarriages, I think my like first instinct was just to dive deeper into work, to not sit and think all day. And right. some of that is beautiful. And then I feel like six months into that, I was like, all right, it's time to actually face what's going on as ugly as it is. But I think for a lot of people, when you're going through hell, it's like you just want purpose and you want something to stay busy with. Thanks for sharing that because that's actually really encouraging. Yeah. And I think that there you have at those times in your life, you have a choice 
and you can fall apart and you can, and you can certainly fall apart. Like you don't need to be put together the whole time during your life crisis, but you have a choice whether you're going to totally crumble and break and you can break, but you have to be resilient and you have to do the work and you have to go to therapy and you have to do whatever is going to make you, if you got to cry for two hours a day, whatever is going to make you go through it and not around it is what's going to make you come out better on the other side. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Have there ever been any times where you've just wanted to quit one of your businesses? Like I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Like, what was that like? Honestly, no, I have not. I love that. <laughs> I don't have knock on wood. Like I don't have moments. Like I have not had moments like that where something really bad has happened. I feel like I've had days and I'm like, you can never quit on a bad day. Like you have to quit on a good day. I think when Nastia Lucan was on the podcast, she had shared the days she wanted to quit gymnastics. And her mom was like, I will never let you quit on a bad day. If you want to quit when you're having a really good day, fully go for it. But I think too, as entrepreneurs, like a bad day doesn't mean a bad business or a bad life. Like it's just a bad day. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I love that. So how do you set your sights forward and create new goals and business ideas amidst like the chaos of chasing your tail and putting out fires and just keeping up with everything every day? This comes back to surrounding yourself with people who can balance out your skill set. And Kate and Jenny, my sister and my BFF, they have a skill they have skill sets that I do not have. I'm the Mad Hatter coming in with like, oh my God, we need to make this product. We need to do this. Let's do this. And they always make fun of me because I it's like I have like I'm like ADD to the problem. Like I'm just, I'm always coming in like, we got to get to Brazil today. Like Brazil, <laughs> like we need to like, we need to keep working on the US. So, but that's, that's my role is to keep pushing us forward and expanding us out. And their job is to rein it in and, and keep us focused on some of the things we have in front of us. That's that great balance because I'm constantly walking around like sending, like, I'm a nightmare. Like, don't think I'm not a nightmare. I am a nightmare. I'm texting late at night. I'm emailing early in the morning. I'm like, I'm like, did you see this? We have to do this. And and everyone's like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm a nightmare. So I think I'm with you. I think it must be something with like the multi-passions because I feel like my team actually runs better when I'm like offline than when I'm like, Oh, I have this one idea. Can we do this quick? Or like, Oh, I totally forgot about this one thing we should have done. Like, and so I think it just comes with the territory. I'm curious though, Katie, working with your sister and your best friend, how have your relationships changed and how has that been? Because I work with my family as well. And I think most of it has been positive, but there are some negative sides of that as well. No, my sister's been running my life since I was born. <laughs> Is your sister older or younger? She's six years younger. Oh, so you're the boss. Okay, yep. So that's nice. <laughs> I'm not the boss. I'm, I'm, my sister's been my boss forever. And Kate's been one of my best friends since I was 15 years old. So what has happened is that we've had to get to know each other as workers and that has been complicated. My sister 
has had to try to balance me as like a business partner and not just a sister. And that does not work usually. And then Kate and my sister have had to get to know each other as coworkers and not just through me, which has been difficult too. Honestly, we all have different strengths and different work styles. And I think we can come together and do successful things together, but it certainly is a process. But at the end of the day, if I have to talk to someone 50 times a day, I'd rather it be my best friend or my sister. And if I am going to be successful, I'd rather have my sister and my best friend be successful with me. And you just have to be aware of those, Kate and I call it a hate tree. Make sure you're not (laughs) growing a hate tree in your stomach about someone. Mm -hmm. And so we try to check in about that stuff. And we're actually starting a new thing twice a month. We're having house meeting y'alls. We're we're doing house meetings and we're going to come and not an airing of grievances, but kind of an airing of grievances to make sure as a personal setting, you're coming in and being constructive and saying, Hey, this isn't working for me. When you're like, when you call me at midnight, like I can't, that's not going to work for me. Mm -hmm. And we readjust this. Right. Yeah. What about you? I mean, yeah, I agree. So my mom and my sister both work for me and my sister is actually moving on shortly, which I'm really sad about, but I'm also really excited about because I never wanted her to work for me forever. And so she's going back to nursing school, which is so exciting, but I am excited to like, just be sisters again, because I think that, you know, it's like being her boss, is such a different role. And like, I am very non-emotional about business. So I'm just like, all right, let's get work done. And then we can like be emotional about life. And so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been such a blessing because I think as an entrepreneur, you dream of creating something that can like support the people who have supported you. And I think that is so cool. But I also think it absolutely brings challenges. And I think I've been so protective of relationships first. But at some point too, it's like, this is a business, like we got to make money. So yeah, I mean, I think it's like this. I love what you said. Like, if I'm going to be successful, I want these people to be with me. And I think that is something that is so beautiful. And I don't think I've ever thought about it quite that way. So that opened my eyes a lot. But yeah, it definitely comes with challenges and total perks as well. Yeah. Yes. I love that. So to close this up, if you had one tip for our listeners during those long days of juggling all the things of entrepreneurship, what would it be? So I guess it would be if you are not comfortable with risk, if you're not comfortable with not knowing where your next paycheck is going to come from, entrepreneur life is not for you. And there is... I hope this isn't like a discouraging tip, but but being an entrepreneur means having to deal with all the BS around health insurance, employees, all the like stuff that you don't think that you don't deal with when you're at a company. That being said, being able to control your schedule and control your life in a way is so well worth it for me. And I, when I was 22 years old, I said, I wanted to I wanted to work. I wanted to have a career where I could go get a cappuccino at three o'clock in the afternoon and I didn't have to ask anyone about it. And that was my goal I set out to do. And, and I do that. So that's in essence, I wanted to control my schedule. So even though there are those small hassles, it's worth it every single time for me. 
I love that. Katie, where can everybody find you? We've talked about all of the places. So can you just kind of give us a rundown of where we can connect with you for all of the businesses you run? Yes, at the 12-ish style on Instagram, at Megababe on Instagram, and at Toast Meets World on Instagram. Amazing. And guys, for real, if you have thigh chafing issues or boob sweating problems, please check out Megababe. I sincerely love the products. I keep them in Hawaii. I need to get a set for like up here because it's kind of humid these days. But like they are in our Hawaii locker because I use them all the time and just a true solution to a problem. And I think we talk about that so much on this show is like, what kind of pain points does your audience have and how can you create a solution? And I think you have done exactly that. Thank you. Oh, thanks for coming on, Katie. I love hanging out with you. Yeah, thank you. So there you guys have it. I love Katie. I just love how she doesn't sugarcoat things like this entrepreneur life is hard. And I think a lot of times when people are interviewed for the show, it's so easy to see where they are now and forget like all of the hurdles they've climbed through. I mean, if I've learned anything from the hundreds of interviews I've done, it's that overnight success. It doesn't exist. And I think that for so many of us, being multi-passionate is such a beautiful trait that we carry, but it can also be a really confusing one as we navigate, how do I make a profit from this? Should this just remain a passion? How do I juggle all of the things? When I watch Katie online, I'm like, how does she do it all? She is juggling so many different businesses and she makes it look so easy. But if I know anything about life behind Instagram, it is that there is so much hard work being done. There are so much non-glamorous things happening behind the scenes in order to keep these things moving forward. I loved how Katie talked about what it's like to work with your family or your best friend and also just how to break into an industry. I know for myself, I'd be really intimidated if I was first to market. And I love how she just didn't even think about it, but created a solution. A lot of times, if you don't know where to start, ask yourself, what are my people struggling with the most that I can help them with? Because that might be the place to begin. Until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And I cannot wait to hang out with you soon. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team 
is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.